Welcome to episode 33 of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and just really, really impressive people. Thanks for tuning in. Another good one for you. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Sparkle Clean. They provide professional and economic cleaning solutions to both residential and commercial structures. They specialize in window cleaning, floor care, carpet extraction, as well as auto and boat detailing. As we face the coronavirus, still, it's time to consider a cleaning team that is certified to guarantee that 99.99999% of contagions have been removed from the surface. That's a big deal. As we're trying to put together uh, back-to-work plans for our businesses and uh, keeping our employees safe, if you're the person that can make those decisions about who you hire for your cleaning company, you should give Sparkle Clean a call. They'll give you a free estimate. They're at 518-578-2931. That's 518-578-2931. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at SparkleClean. That's S-P-A-R-K-I-L-K-L-E-E-N. Check them out. Zach and Kate Hoy, everybody. Great people. Also sponsored by Home Heavens Designs. Home Heavens Designs seeks to help you take the stress out of selling, renting, organizing, and designing your home. They can give you tips that will help you stage, organize, sell, or rent your home quickly. They'll even give you a write-up on your online advertisement for sites like Zillow or Airbnb, whatever you might need. They're here to help, and they're here to take the stress out of the process of organizing and preparing your home for whatever you have in store. Not selling your home? or renting your home, that's okay. Home Heavens Designs is here to help you organize, design, and create a beautiful home that is a reflection of you. They can still provide you with great tips and tricks to help you increase the value of your home by making tiny changes that cost very little. As a good real estate friend of mine always said to me, uh, Galen Trombley, he, uh, he, he says, if you're trying to make your home more sellable, think of the Etsy projects. Well. Home Heavens Designs is a perfect consultant to help you with those Etsy projects. You can visit them on Instagram. They're at Home Heavens Designs, H-O-M-E-H-E-V-A-N-S Designs, or give them a call at 518-593-5416. That's 518-593-5416. So, today's episode... Thank you so much for tuning in. We got another good one for you. I say that every time, but it's true. We have another good one for you. Episode 33 takes on a wide variety of things, but really coming together over the theme of tragedy that then inspires confidence and philanthropy and giving. And that can go a long way in today's world. And today's guest is a true example of that and as she prefaces when telling her story that certainly there are plenty of people who've had it much much worse than her personally I don't think that takes away from the power of her story she grew from tragedy uh I'll just put it out there she said that she was living in her car due to a tragic incident and uh basically had to build her life back from nothing um, I shouldn't say nothing, but it's a scary time when you're, you feel you're homeless and trying to rebuild and, you know, I'll let her tell the story, but today's 
episode is all about that. Uh, we talk about the Alice Project. We talk about some fun stuff, too. We get into her pursuit of a CDL license. We talk about foster care. We talk about the backpack program. Great episode, full of great content. I give you episode 33 of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Gumption, defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Okay, so we're live now. All right, everybody. Today, my guest is a very, very close friend of mine. We, uh, ironically, don't go back too far in years, but I feel like I've known her most of my life because of all the different projects we've worked on together, and we used to be co-workers, and uh, just to hold this person in very high regard. Uh, she's currently the territory manager for Casella Waste Systems. Uh, she's a past board member of ADKYP, the Adirondack Young Professionals. Probably talk about that a little bit. She's on the allocations committee and the campaign team for the Adirondack, or excuse me, for the United Way of the Adirondack region. She's a fellow Rotarian and arguably the most important. She's an avid home improvement guru like myself. Welcome to the podcast, Nicole Klein. Thanks for having me. Um, Number one, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to make it to the big leagues here. <laughs> I uh, I feel pretty important to be honored to be on your podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't call it big leagues, but uh, I appreciate it. I, I mean, we'll tell Galen Trombley it's the it's the big leagues, right? Sorry, no. Galen, that does not mean you are minor <laughs> leagues. You are a great training. <laughs> no, it's all good. We love Galen. You're the you're the man, Galen, and uh, we've both spent time on his podcast, and it's good. Absolutely, yeah, good dude, doing a lot of good for our community. Like a lot of people of our gen, I feel like there's a there's a group of us that are all kind of in the same space in our careers. We're all kind of getting going. We're figuring it out. We're we're getting past the twenties. Where like I just turned thirty, so <gasps> big deal, man. Yeah, it's like life hits hard. All of a sudden, it's like oh wow, like I'm gonna slow down and stop being a 20 year old right <laughs> does anything really change though <laughs> uh, yeah i get i hope i hope when i'm like 65 or 70 if i have grandkids or something they'll see me as a young spirit yes that's it i i still tell everybody that i'm a kid i'm not yet 30 so yeah. it is really fun to tell people that hey how do you feel about that kid just making that decision for you yeah yeah my my wife lauren uh reminds me all the time that she's not 30 either oh that's wonderful <laughs> That I always try and t- she just had her birthday. The other, she just turned 28 and she's trying to, I, you know, I was like, wait, when I'm, when I was 28, you rounded it up to 30. <laughs> you said I was 30, <laughs> even though I was 28. And she's like, no, no, the rules are different now. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> so. Anyhow. So, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I've been meaning to have you on for a long time, but, um, it, I feel like there's, we could have like four hours worth of conversation, but, um, I, I would love to reminisce a little bit about the good old days when you and I were on the board for ADKYP together. We were. It was, uh, it feels like a lifetime away, and I think it's only been a few years. Yep. I think you and I have used a lot of those relationships, too, as building blocks. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was just a totally different world for us. It was a totally different world for ADKYP too, and it's exciting to watch the transformation. I mean, from what we got to grow and the pieces of, and the change that we saw in our time together, and where it is now too, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we uh, I think every like segment of board members for that organization has seen ups and downs, and yeah. it's just a tough thing too. I think because when you're in, when you're like a younger professional you're trying to uh you're trying to figure your life out yeah and while you're trying to figure your life out uh maybe you know find the right job you know figure out rent figure out like live you know figure out expenses and figure out where you want to live long term all these different things you know maybe a relationship with somebody it's just like oh yeah managing like a, a true board level commitment is just not as easy Whereas you turned 30 and I feel like now you're wise. You could, I'm not wise. I'm not wise, but I feel like, I feel like I have a little bit. Yeah, I can, I can handle that commitment a little, a little more professionalism. Yes. It's interesting. I think one of the things that even in just like a few, getting a few more years from when I started in ADKYP to understanding the depth of what a few years time can really do versus like the immediate reactionary oh my gosh something as crazy is happening this is really difficult and like just the consistency especially like I work for a company now where we have a lot of people who've been in the company for like 20 years 10 years 15 years and the more experience I have with people who have long-term consistency mm -hmm. in jobs and that's what I see in, in some other boards too that I, I hadn't had the experience of when I was in 80KYP. It'd be like one big moment. I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do it. I need to run away. And now I'm like, okay, grow up. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yep. interesting. I feel you. You've been doing a lot of uh, improvements on your home, huh? I'm trying. I like to call them improvements. I, uh, <laughs> less, uh, less prison green paint, uh, less yellow. <laughs> I think at one point in time, well, I'm colorblind, so I might have to. Ooh, all right. I, I might have to have Lauren vouch for us offline sometime. But I always described one room when we bought our house as a mixture of green and brown, like diarrhea. It was, <laughs> it was like who yes. in their right mind thought that was a good color? I'm pretty I mean, sure you. I'm just gonna that. put that out there. I'm just gonna put that out there. That our house, we bought a house with that color paint inside, but yes. we knew that that was easily fixable. Easily. So, Anyhow, it's not, it's a nice like gray blue now. That's an improvement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that is probably one of the biggest joys, especially uh, that I've grown to love from COVID of yeah. like being home a lot more. But yeah. we've had our house since 2016, and like I don't know, there's just something really awesome about doing that. It's so much fun. I um, well, as you know, so I. The two major renovations that had to happen, nothing, n no windows, no roofing, nothing major needed to happen to my house. It was more cosmetic. Um, and I halfway redid my bath, had my dad halfway redo the bathroom when I first moved into the house and um, needed to finish it all. And the original remodel didn't go well. I've done a few bathrooms in my time with my father. Um, never tiled in my life. And I was like, eh, be all right, we'll wing it. Day one, dad falls off the job. And got, well, he got sick and was like, yeah, I'm out. It's all you. Oh, so, man. GC day one. <laughs> um, master master plumber day one, which that's like my favorite thing in home renovation. So I love. Yeah. And uh, also the electrician, which was entertaining with yep. knob and tube. Yeah. Um, you had knob and tube? Oh, I have knob and tube. It's great, man. It's a wonderful learning experience. 
<laughs> do you still have knob and tube? Not in that bathroom. Okay. In the restroom. I haven't redone my whole house, but yes. Nice. Um, That's old school. Yes. So lots of learning. But That's what they call in the insurance world something to look at closer. <laughs> <laughs> That's I hope my insurance guy isn't listening. Because yeah, but anyhow, <laughs> yeah, um, we'll edit that out, right? But yeah. no, that's that's old school. That's cool. Yeah, so. so a lot of, like, I've had the time to learn about it, though. Like, every yeah. step of the way, you know, yeah. it's just, it's fun. And now when things break, I'm like, well, that's not working out very well, but I know it's behind that wall, so I know I can fix it, which yes. is, I love. And it's my house, so I take pride in that, which is so much fun. You mentioned tiling. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Yeah. Uh, I retiled a, a back bathroom, our second bathroom in the house. And, uh, that sucks. That yeah. is the worst thing. I, I will probably pay somebody next really? time. Really? And I, that's just my preference, but it's like, for me, I feel like before you start doing any work, mm-hmm. I feel like you're already looking at an hour of your time. Yeah, because it's true. like a half hour to like prep the everything. Yep. It's, you got to mix up all the, you know, mortar or not the mortar, but you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, you got to exactly. do, you got to do all the prep work and then maybe 20, 25 minutes in, you're ready to start working. And at least for me, and then you got cleanup. Oh, the cleanup is what's, I learned the that cleanup the sucks. And, oh, it does. And I mean, I guess actually laying tile is very satisfying. Yes. But maybe I'm building it up because I don't build it up too much. I've got three walls that I have agreed to tie. Three whole walls in my kitchen will be tile, and I have committed to that. So Oof. remind me how wonderful it is. Ooh. Yeah. No, tiling's great. Tiling's the best. Best and time of your life. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite. You know what is my favorite? What? Uh, it was kind of back-breaking work, but I really enjoyed putting in flooring. I haven't done that yet. I'm about to try for my first time. Some people what? tell me they're like, dude, flooring is the worst. Really? Which I guess, you know, t- tile is flooring. Well, yeah. But like we put in a floating wood floor. Yeah. And uh, you get that stuff that just like pops into place. And if you lay it in right, it's very satisfying. You can get a lot of wood flooring very fast. Is it hardwoods but or laminate? It's uh, Yeah, it's basically a laminate. But okay. um, ours has a, like the layer of hardwood on top of it so cool. i don't know it's like maybe like a hybrid product or something but very cool it's not true hardwood right okay i'm following but do you have hardwood in your house i have original hardwoods throughout the whole house but the kitchen had been tiled over with the the old tiles that have asbestos in them like the you know the neon color ones oh nice and then they put a laminate over which the laminate's in wonderful condition i just happen to hate the color red and it's yep. red and I, I've stared at it long enough. I'm pouring enough money into my kitchen. I said, you know what? I'm just going to rip the floor out now. So I am going to have to put laminate over that. But mm. yeah, and I can't refinish those. Mm. Sadly. Home improvement guru. Uh, I love it. We could have a whole other podcast <laughs> on that. <true. laughs> uh, I want to get into gumption a little bit. Uh, okay. Because when I think of people that in, in my circle that have gumption, I definitely think of you in top five. But that's because, you know, I've had plenty of examples where Maybe life was uh, not going easy or, you know, I had a really tough work project or volunteer thing and, and like, I don't know, you and I just, we, we're on the same wavelength with you got to put in, you know, a lot of work to get where you want to be. But sometimes you, it's just without a little gumption, it's just not going to happen, right? No, so that's true. Um, I guess I'd like to start by asking you what gumption means to you. You know, I thought a lot about this, too. I I think there's a lot of ways to to look at it. I mean, truthfully, 
I think it's a lot of mental grit, number one. Mm. But with humility, I mm. think that's the other piece of it for me too. The more and more I thought about it, it's not just being, it's not just being steadfast towards a goal. It's to me, gumption is someone acting towards a goal that's for the greater good and moving towards having the energy and effort to move towards something that means something to them and more than just themselves. It's not a self, it's not a selfish act Mm. to have gumption. Um, To me, the people I look at that I feel truly have gumption are some of the most humble and quiet people about their own experiences and they just keep, keep moving forward. They're Mm. steady and Mm. confident. And yeah, I'd say that's the biggest piece of it for me. Mm. It, it, we were talking a little offline before the podcast, but uh, there, you're, you've got a couple stories of gumption that you can share. And I mean, any story of gumption you would share would be impressive to me. But I I feel like a, a nice way to go into maybe one of your stories of gumption, and I'll let you lead the way, but is kind of like your intense commitment to supporting the United Way. Yeah. That, so I, I'll I'll start it with that, but I'll let you kind of take the way on why you got going with the United Way or why the United Way means so much to you. So first off, United Way, I I truly appreciate the commitment that both John and Kathy have to the community. I think there's a lot of aspects of the community that John and, and Kathy invest themselves in through the United Way. Um, all of which are extremely important. And to me, the Alice project really, Mm. it means so much. It it just, I see the hard work that they're, that people are putting in and not getting very far. And it, it really does mean the world to me. I, as we talked, had a bit of my own experience. I feel a little embarrassed to even admit it to some extent, because I know so many people have it in so many ways, much harder than I did, but I actually walked my way out to Plattsburgh um, because I, I actually didn't have a place to live when I was working two jobs for a while and I wasn't in the greatest place in my life. Um, and reached out to a friend of mine who I was working out in the Tri Lakes area at that time. And, um, one of my good friends lived in Plattsburgh and we were like, well, good friends in college, maybe we could become roommates and kind of slowly worked my way out here. But, you know, coming from $0 in a bank account, coming from, the comics of trying to live in a car with a dog working two jobs and like trying to put yourself together as a manager and like put that makeup on in the car with the dog licking your face at the same time. And (laughs) everything's great guys. I've got it. I've got it. (laughs) And you know, I know, I know what it took me in my experience to just put the smile on and just keep moving forward and have the, have the faith that that effort will have a reward that it is going to be okay. And that I can get through it. That meant a lot to me. And my, in my experience, my situation was a mild, you know, there's so many people that, um, I learn about or, or meet through helping with the United way that have it 150 times more difficult than I ever did. And I, I can't imagine that kind of gumption that it takes to, to get through each and every day, especially the people that have children at home. And Mm. I think that's really where my desire to support the United way has, has grown so deep. You know, I, I just want to give back in every way that I can because there were a lot of people that helped me along my own journey too. So, Man, you mentioned the Alice Project. Um, for the listeners who aren't fully aware of what that is, could you just give a little more detail to that? Absolutely. So um, Alice stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really it's um, 
what we used to call the working poor. Um, so there's a lot of people in our communities that are are working a couple jobs or, or working full time and still not making ends meet, but yet live above the federal poverty level. So there's limited assistance available. Um, it, it's unbelievable how high that number really is in our own communities here. Um, so there's been a lot of focus on those folks who are are putting in their own effort to take that step forward um, and may just need a little bit of a hand up to be able to to crest that bridge there and um, continue to grow their lives out of that um, that real poverty. Um, even though it's not federal poverty, it doesn't mean that it's not poverty as well. So, uh, yeah. It's the classic uh, example of like the person, I, I mean, I, I must have heard John Bernardi say this multiple times in multiple fundraisers and very, but it resonates with me because it's just so simple the way he describes it. But, you know, you and I, uh, and forgive me for repeating this because I know you've probably heard it, but for the <laughs> listeners, it's, it's such an in- interesting concept. I mean, you and I, most likely, if we go to work tomorrow and we get a flat tire, it's really going to suck. Like, it's going to be a pain. It's going to be an annoyance. It's like, ah, damn. Now I got to deal with a flat tire. But most likely, if you don't have the cash just sitting in your account, which we may or may not, um, we at least have the assets to, to figure it out or to put it on a credit card and be fine. And it doesn't really go much further than that. It's like, okay, I got to go get this flat tire fixed and then move on with my day. But as I understand it from John is if you're in the Alice um, or, you know, working poor, quote unquote, category that we're talking about here, you could very quickly and honestly, I'll put it out there. I was probably in this category early in my career because I don't know if what would have happened if I um, if I had a flat tire. But I mean, I guess that's a conversation for later, maybe. But it's. It's the people who all of a sudden they're financially on the edge of a cliff and something like that could send them over the cliff into a cataclysmic situation where maybe they miss work and they're out of a job now, which then means they can't get groceries, which means they can't pay their bills, which means all of a sudden this snowball effect of just terrible things. It's true. It's true. And it's, I think... You know, looking back, even in my my own career, I've been fortunate to work for some wonderful employers throughout um, my career. But especially when you work sometimes in an hourly position, they're less forgiving on life. Um, and there are a lot of positions, and even from great employers, but there's a lot of positions where if you're not there, sorry, you, you know, you're out. What You may have gotten sick once, and, you know, maybe you're younger, and maybe you haven't learned the life skills yet to know the communication that your employer expects. So you make a mistake once. And you've got your one strike, and then all of a sudden you get that flat tire. You can't make it to work. Maybe you don't have a cell phone. Maybe you have a cell phone and didn't have cell phone service to call your boss ahead of time. That might be strike two, and now you're out of a job. And that's more than just the cost of a flat tire. That snowball can happen so quick. And I think that's what it's easy for you and I because it is. It's a we we would call that a bad day, and it's it's easy to forget that that's that's an annoyance of a day. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things mm-hmm. I love about serving with United Way is it reminds me even my bad days are, are really just a mosquito bite in comparison to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah, not to take away necessarily from the people who really, really have been struggling or have been homeless for months or years on end. Yeah. But I'm just curious if you're comfortable sharing what, 
what was what was what's going through your head when you're in that situation as someone who had to deal with that and pull yourself out of that I think number one was sheer embarrassment mm-hmm. more than anything I um, the, the honest answer is I was in a really bad relationship and um, had lost a lot of money to in my process of trying to support a bad relationship and ended up unfortunately in the hospital after that relationship um, and I had really prided myself on on leading a relatively professional life up until mm-hmm. that point, and I was so embarrassed that, oh my gosh, this is me, and now I don't have a place to live. So while I was in the hospital, unfortunately, I lost most of my belongings um, from the ex of mine, and you know, I came back and I had nothing, and I didn't want to. What do you do? Tell your boss? Oh, I'm sorry, I made a bad choice. I chose yeah. to, you know, it's just the the sheer embarrassment of it, and then. As I was figuring it out, I mean, there was simply nothing other than work. It, this is temporary. You know, that I have always had that motto in my mm-hmm. head with everything. Pain's temporary. You can get through it. Mm-hmm. You can think through it. And that was my, my motto is there's only one thing I know that I can do in life, and that is work. I can work. And it doesn't matter whether I'm swinging a hammer to break rocks. I don't, I'll do it. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. Just keep moving forward because it will get better if you keep trying and moving forward. And it was terrifying but I had so many people that helped me I mean I don't even think I don't even want to say that it was hard I I mean I, I didn't get very many finance I didn't get much financial help but it was a lot of just working and saving and that's I truly could have moved back home had I really wanted to but that would have been losing my job mm-hmm. and the one answer I knew to get out of the whole cycle was to make more money and um, so weekends I could, I certainly went home and, but during the week I slept in my car to be able to work the two jobs that I was working. And like I said, I'd have my dog for some of it. You know, the weather was nice enough. I'd leave Dogs dog are great, house. man. You know, it really wasn't bad. My dog cuddled with me at night. I wasn't alone. You know, my car smelled good. It was kind of a new car too. So I had a fancy car. I, uh, Is that <laughs> the Subaru? It was the Subaru. Oh, I love, yeah. I, I miss my Subaru. I, Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. You know what I will but, say? Yeah. I, I've upgraded to the truck, and I'm not going to complain. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's a I think I remember that. seeing that. That was, what, a year ago-ish? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was about a year ago. That's awesome. That's really <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot away from this, but maybe come back to it in the overall theme of you, Nicole Klein, and your gumption, because I think it all – as we will go to your next story of gumption, so to speak, but I think it all kind of wraps together in who you are today and what you're doing, like where you're at. I, I just think that's really cool. So you are now the territory manager or a territory manager. Cause there's two of you. Yep. There's two of uh, us. Shout out to Meg Whedon. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you took it upon yourself as I understand it, correct me if I if I have the <laughs> no, as the outsider looking in, like, but you took it upon yourself and said, "Wow, those are really big trucks. <laughs> I want to drive a really big truck." <laughs> so you don't drive a really big truck to work when you buy your truck. It's a it's a you know modest truck. Yeah, it's, it's a nice a GMC, right? It's or a Chevy Colorado. Chevy Colorado, yep, nice truck. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> But you were like, no, I want to drive the real big trucks. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I I, appreciate your perspective. Truthfully, <laughs> it was a lot more like, wow, those are really cool. I'm really afraid of those. But those are really cool. <laughs> and one day, 
I had made a little free time in my schedule. Our, we, our jobs can be really, really seasonal. Um, and I'm not a person who sits well, who sits still well, I should say. And so, you know, I'm like sitting at the office or I, I can work from home at sometimes and be at home. And then I see these guys coming in on trucks. I'm like, okay, guys, my first, my first ever job in my entire life was a sander doing construction for my dad. So my dad would bring all the woodworking home and I had to sand. So I like my first job was hands-on and I love business. Don't get me wrong, but there's an element of just relief and some hands-on work. So I was like, well, amen. If they can do it. I, I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I, I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I talked to my, God bless my boss. I talked to my boss one day and whew, said, Hey Bill, if I, uh, if I, getting up my schedule and still performed at 100% for you, how would you feel about me driving a truck? <laughs> you think he laughed and he smiled and said, go for it. <laughs> so uh, they were dumb enough to let me get behind the wheel of one of those and train me. <laughs> that is wild. That is wild. So yeah. uh, part of my curiosity of this whole process and the whole learning experience yeah. uh comes back to my experience when I was director of the Boy Scouts. You know, the Girl Scouts, they sell cookies. It's oh, their yeah. big thing. Yep. Boy Scouts, we sell popcorn. <laughs> That's our thing, okay? Yep. You've seen them. If you've gone to Lowe's on the weekends, they're trying to get you to, to buy some popcorn. I realize it's overpriced. Buy the popcorn. It's a fundraiser, okay? That's all I have to say about that. It's for a good but, cause. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... You have to get that popcorn up to Plattsburgh, and it's not coming on a on a some distribution truck because the Boy Scouts don't have enough money to pay somebody to do that. So what we do is the local executive, me at the time for yeah. five years or so, would rent the biggest Penske truck you could get from <laughs> Taylor Rental, drive down to Albany, pick it up at a warehouse. Actually, it might have been Saratoga, uh, but drive it all the way back and then store it at a warehouse in town for families and units to pick it up. And this thing is packed to the gills. I am not qualified to drive (laughs) the largest Penske truck available, but I did it five years in a row. And I remember getting comments from people when I'd be like backing it up to the dock at the warehouse and stuff and be like, wow, I didn't know you had a CDL. And I'm like, I don't. And they're like, that's not right. I feel like you should have to have a CDL to drive this truck. They're like, what kind of brakes are on that thing? Like all these questions. And and I just remember thinking after the fact, like, yeah, that's probably why Penske trucks are bright yellow. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's literally you. like a massive beacon on the road that's like, <laughs> look out, this person doesn't know how to drive a big truck. They rented this vehicle and they're on the road. Like, watch out. It's like the yellow cone on top of the car saying, driver in training. <laughs> exactly. That's what a Penske truck is. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing, so move out of the way. That's awesome. So anyhow, that's yeah. that's my experience. I don't know if I drove the truck right, but I didn't put any dents in it. Didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's really but, the important part. Um, I could see the appeal. You know, it was. <laughs> it's funny because I'm, and you probably know this about me after working together for years. I, I'm a risk taker to an extent. I'm mm. I'm very calculated in my risk taking. Like people ask me all the time, like, "Oh, I got another speeding ticket." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't have, I don't I don't get those." And they're like, "Well, what do you mean? You never accidentally?" No, I know exactly how fast I'm going, even if I'm speeding. It's a calculated decision. Yes. <laughs> like I'm I am quite particular on my 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 calculated risk taking. And probably one of the most terrifying things for me to do was to step into a truck. I am not mechanical at all <laughs> whatsoever. So 
to get a CDL, you have to be able to do a pre-trip inspection of the truck, which is like fully understanding some of just the major mechanics of the vehicle, including like a whole airbrake system, which again, that's great to everybody, but under the hood and yeah, I can tell you where my dipstick is for the oil. (laughs) And sometimes I can get the hood open. Like that's where I'm at. So it was huge. And I was like, okay, this will be good. Like it's going to be a good training experience. And uh, our ops manager hands me a booklet and goes, yep. There you go. Truck's out in the yard. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Go ahead. Go learn it. I'm like, what? I don't know what that is. <laughs> and it was, a, there was, I mean, I certainly got a tremendous amount of help along the way, but there's also an element of self, self-teaching self there. And then then you can you can take that, you pass the book test, and they say, okay, hop in. And I'm like, holy crow. They trust me? <laughs> wow. Are they standard? Um. So some of them are, some of them are not. I will say, I... So I first started, I started in an automatic because I've never driven standard in my entire mm-hmm. life. But they also say that's a good thing because it's so different, like double clutching compared to... Um, I was going to say, is it a double clutch? You So you have to double clutch for your test, yes. Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever done... I uh, The Subaru I had for years was uh, standard. Oh, but, yeah. You did say um, that. I kind of miss it sometimes, but I've never tried a double clutch. It, it seems like that would be really interesting. So I feel like uh, I will say sorry, Dylan, but uh, I didn't get a fair shake at my experience learning <laughs> standard. <laughs> I uh, we have a yard across the street from our like where um, our maintenance shop is and our main office is, um, and we have a lot of land over there that we store certain things and whatnot. And you got to figure this is like mm, this was like late November, maybe early December. Tons of snow outside. It's a dirt road on a good, a bumpy dirt road on a good day, <laughs> short, bumpy road on a good day. And uh, I was like, guys, like, I really want to learn standard. I want, I don't, um, I don't want to take my test in an automatic. Because if you take it in an automatic, you can only drive automatics. So I was like, all right, I got to learn. I want to learn. I'm terrified. I want to learn. So Dylan takes me out. And we're on a short track. We're like we're really trying to crank up the gears and there's a few more gears on a big truck. I've never driven standard in my life. I swear to God, my, both of my hands are on the steering wheel. I am full well standing up and using the steering wheel as leverage to push that clutch in. Oh my God. You can get it up faster. You got it. Go ahead. Get it into fourth. And we're bouncing around in the snow. Oh my, I have never laughed so hard in my life. And I have never, uh, I've never been so terrified of trying to learn. <laughs> oh, my God. It was the hardest thing. I, I, I will say I gave up. I had some of the best memories, but I, uh, I, stayed, in, I stayed in the automatic. <laughs> okay, this is me kind of nerding out yeah. out of curiosity. How, how does a double clutch work? So in theory, can I you actually not, explain that and people understand? Like, I it seems try. like it'd be hard to, to explain. But I didn't learn it well, so I, am, I have no idea. <laughs> I could, I could explain how a regular clutch works for you, but I couldn't. I don't. Why is there? Why is there two? So I don't know the why. I truly don't know the why. And but the the mechanics of the way I learned it. And again, you got to remember, I, I spun around the yard for one day. True. Uh, with a friend laughing my butt That's off. That's fair. You but know more than I do. You so. You, put the clutch down Mm -hmm. you're pulling it out of gear into neutral up you let the clutch up and then back down again to be able to pull it into the next gear oh wow right also for the for the trekking world that they tried to teach me apparently you can float the gears so like the whole concept of like popping your vehicle into neutral and holding the clutch down which I don't, you're not supposed to do anyway, but like hypothetically, like you could hold the clutch down with a single clutch 
and just put it into multiple gears at a time if you really wanted to. Right. You can't do that in a double clutch. I don't know if you can. I That's the part, like, I never really, because you got to remember, I, I have no experience with it. So there's I just two clutch can. pedals? No, there's just one clutch. Oh. So double, <laughs> like, wait, wait, I'm, like, I'm like really dumb. <laughs> no, I'm no, really so dumb. I'm like, I'm like double clutch. I'm like, you got two feet, but there's still gas pedal. <laughs> so you're <laughs> dancing. <laughs> at this point, you're at a full tap dance. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's one clutch. So you, you just, you pump the clutch in, you pull it out. Of, like if you're going from first to second, right? Yeah. Push your cl- clutch down, pull yep. it out of first into neutral, let your yep. clutch up, put it down again to put it into second. Okay. Okay. Versus... Versus. A single clutch, you can do it all in one motion. Exactly. Why would you do it that way? That trucking doesn't. World, please tell me. Yes, <laughs> trucking world. Anybody listening, <laughs> please let us know because that just seems that just seems difficult to be difficult. Yeah. Well, you know. It, it, There's anyway. probably a very reasonable mechanical explanation for that. I think there is. You know what? I asked somebody about it too, and there was something about. I don't know, the less maintenance if you do it right, or I don't know. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, because that's like the classic, so the example I was saying where you're yeah. like holding down the clutch too much or like right. that's how you quote unquote can blow out the clutch. Got it. I don't know why I asked after mechanic. So maybe, I mean, you can blow out the clutch a few ways, but that's what I've always been taught as one of the ways you can really blow out the clutch is just by holding it down when you're not, you're still, you just don't have any reason to hold it down. You're just holding just because, it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas you should just put it in neutral and then let it back up yeah. if that's what you want to do. Right, right. I don't know why you would want to do that, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. So uh, the double clutch thing probably makes it last longer because it forces you to just either have the thing in gear or not have the thing in gear. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Any mechanics, very... Uh, very probably primed to tell me I'm wrong. but This I'm should be a call-in show. This should, we should be. Have, <laughs> we I'll should. take caller number one. <laughs> yeah, this is Bob. You guys are you guys are idiots, and you should never drive big trucks again. Yeah, that's. I'm no. waiting for any coworker to laugh and be like, and that's why we don't let sales ladies drive trucks. Hey, yeah. I pass. I will say, I passed my test. I passed my test with flying colors in a snowstorm, mind you. So oh, I was qualified wow. one day. Wow. One day. So how long does the process take from you decided, you walked into Bill's office and you said, I think I want to do this with my extra time here, um, or I'm going to make extra time yeah. to do this. And then you passed and now you can drive the trucks. For me or for normal people to take it? Both. Uh, for me, six months. <laughs> um, normal people, you could probably get it done in a month and a half to two months, depending on how much time you could spend on a truck. Okay. But you were working. And like yeah. playing your time, right? What, yeah, that was probably not the wisest decision I've ever had. I uh, So you have to take your permit test, which is a book test. Again, I'm a decent test taker in general, but I have no understanding of basic mechanics. So that was a lot of learning curve and it's a pretty long test. A lot of it is relatively self-explanatory. So I squeaked by with just above passing and that's all I needed to get through the, <laughs> the book test. Um, but once you take the book test, then you can, then you can drive with someone who has a, a CDL oh, interesting. and then they get to ride with you. Um, I, I really think after like when I first started, I was trying to drive one day a week, which just, you don't, you need more consistency than mm-hmm. that. So by the end I was driving two to four days a week mm-hmm. and working in the meantime. And that's really where I struggled. You know, I was, I, I would laugh all the time. So we go to the landfill. So I drove roll-off trucks, which is like your big construction dumpsters. Yep. And um, there's basically you go pick up a container, load the container up, drive to the landfill, 
and you got to wait in the landfill in line. You dump it. You got to wait in line again to be able to go back over the scale. So there's a lot of wait time in there. And it's not technical stuff, super technical stuff while you're in the landfill. So a lot of times I'd have conference calls. Like, you got to remember, I'm still a sales lady. So <laughs> I'd be riding with someone and I'd be like, all right, guys, this is great. Like, we're going to head into the fill. As soon as we pull into the line, we're going to do Chinese fire drill. You're going to hop in the driver's seat. I'm going to take this conference call while we're in the fill. Like, <laughs> and then I hop back in the driver's seat and then we go again. And I'm... It was the craziest decision I've ever <laughs> made in the most wild. It was. I still like, I still enjoy it sometimes when I ride on the trucks taking conference calls from the truck just because it makes me feel good. <laughs> that's, that's quite gumptious, actually. Yeah, um, so, but silly. your clients must have understood because it's literally like the same employer, just a different job within that employer that you were doing while you're on the conference call. Like they must have heard all the noise in the back. No? I they would no idea. time it well so that, oh, no. okay. And I didn't tell most people. In fact, most people would be afraid. They'd be like, I'd be on site, one of my customers, I'm on site and you know, pull the compactor away from the building. It leaves a little bit of a mess, so you always have to shovel it and clean it all back up. And um, it's just construction debris. It's nothing, you know, big yeah. deal. So I'm back there with the shovel and with um, the, the guy I was training with. And so he and I are shoveling it into the back of the truck. And my customer, the person that I normally work with, who's used to seeing me in, you know, relatively business dress, whatever, long blonde hair, me, he pulls around the back and he goes, what the hell are you doing here? And he goes, my, the guy I was driving with, he goes, oh, she's driving that truck. He goes, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he just stood there. <laughs> it was the funniest reaction I've ever seen. Oh, I got such a good laugh out of it. I think he did at the end of the day too because I didn't tell anybody until they would see me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, is, is there, do you run into uh, a stereotype a lot that, because you're a woman, you're more suited for the sales role than the truck driving role. Or and, and I guess my second part of that yeah. is how many other women are driving trucks for Casella at the moment? Right now in the Plattsburgh division, mm -hmm. we do not have any other female licensed female drivers. But that's just our Plattsburgh division. It's not very big. I okay. mean, there's about 55 of us, I think, total. That's all positions total. We have a lot of women who work for us, though. Um, we did have, uh, a woman driving for us for quite some time. I think she was with us for about a year or so. Um, so it's not unheard of. I don't know. I don't know if there's another sales, uh, another female salesperson that has a CDL, um, in our region. And I don't think there's many, there are a couple people that do have their CDLs that are salespeople, but not many that do. Um, I don't want to, you know, it's funny. I really thought I was going to run into the stereotype and mm. I really I always rode on the trucks as part of my job here and there to be able to learn my customers better. And I got to know our team really well. I'm, I'm very close with um, a lot of people on our team, drivers and everybody. And you spend 12 hours on a truck with somebody, you get to know them pretty oh, well. Oh, yeah. And so I kind of eased myself into talking to people about it, thinking that I would get a lot of, oh, no, don't do it or whatever. And there's uh, two gentlemen who work for us who've been doing this for decades and I just have a really high respect for both of them, have really good relationships with the two of them. And I was afraid to tell them. And the first one I told, he goes, you know what? My wife said the same thing about wanting to drive a truck too. And you know what? <laughs> she got her A. And she can drive that thing better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. We've got an old school guy saying yes. I, all right, that's, that's awesome. That's a good place to start. Told the second guy and he was like, absolutely, I'll train you. And he did. That's awesome. And so I was really, really impressed. But that's, but for me, that's been my experience with Casella. I don't want to say that, you know, I don't know if anybody, how anybody else has had an experience, but that's been my experience with Casella. And, and honestly, anybody I've met along the way, I think people 
have definitely given me looks because I will say that I, I ref- in some ways, I think I got the then stereotype of, okay, so then you're rough and tumble because I, as you said, I also do home improvement at home. Yep. Like yep. I'm an outdoorsy person. And finally I got kind of like, okay, what side of the street do I sit on? And I said, you know what? I'm going to paint my nails red, wear my hair in a nice braid, and I will wear makeup when I drive. <laughs> Good for you. And I, you know, I went for it, and I think people people probably laughed, but I still did, it didn't make me do my job any different, and nobody really cared. And finally, by the end, most people, honestly, were like high-fiving me, saying how cool they thought that was, that I was willing to try. Seems like of all the people I've met at, at Casella, um, and especially Bill, who's, oh you know, gosh, yes. leading the way, like, the culture is clearly, like of a place where you would be supported and there's no weird stereotype. I guess my, my question was really coming from just knowing our geography and, and being someone who traveled across Northern New York on a regular basis and met with people in all different communities on a regular basis. I just know that we tend to live in an area that, that kind of gravitates towards gender roles and gender stereotype. And, you know, some people are totally happy with that and it's cool, but if, you break that. I was just curious if, um, how people have responded, but it's, it's cool. Like it's, it's cool to me that, that you're just owning it and kicking ass. And frankly, I, I'm jealous. (laughs) I'm jealous. I'm jelly. You know, like what the heck? It's not, you know, that I, uh, I, it's been so, so hard to just find it within myself to say, who cares what anyone says if they say anything? And but that, like I said, that was the shocking part is nobody said anything. Yeah, there's that's some, awesome. I've gotten some funny comments along the way, but but I'm pretty thick skinned, so I can dish it right back. And people just leave you alone. They may they may have their opinions or laugh and just laugh with them. And but like I said, it was my expectation. Honestly, was that I would have. I mean, come on. I I go to a hardware store right now, and like of course, you know, it doesn't help. Like you. It's a Saturday morning. I'm probably only half a cup of coffee in. I'm at the hardware store trying to figure out what I need for my project. It's probably something I've never done before, and I'm watching YouTube in the line. And the guys look at you like, ooh, she's not going to do very well at this job. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. But I thought I'd have the same attitude, and it wasn't that at all. I, like I said, I, most people just high-fived me and, and appreciated that I even wanted to try, which was just really, really cool. From my experience in the staffing world for a brief period of time, I got the impression that there's a very high demand for skilled uh, CDL drivers uh, throughout the whole region. And uh, it makes me wonder, so like, do you have to usually have like an employer endorsement to to try and go get a CDL or do you just literally have to have access to a truck? Like if I had access to a truck and I just wanted to go get a CDL tomorrow, could I do it? Um I'm adding another layer to the question too, but from my experience in staffing also, I got the impression that there's usually like a one-year requirement before you can usually qualify for a lot of good, I would say, trucking jobs. Yeah. I don't know what it is in the like CDLA world because Mm -hmm. I only have a CDLB and Mm -hmm. and there are some major differences. And what is the difference just for the listeners who may or may not know yep um so the cdlbs are straight trucks in other words there's yep. no trailer attachment the penske um yeah the penske <laughs> the, the the license you should have had <laughs> no um and then the a is a tractor trailer combination so got it um it's just a difference of whether you have a trailer if you if you were to take a straight truck and attach a trailer to it now you're required to have a cdla mm-hmm. and there's also and 
sorry, Casella, I, I know there's some rule about the weight. I don't know exactly what the weight is, but weight will determine whether it's got it it needs to be a cdl or not which is probably why you were allowed to drive the penske truck because it probably wasn't heavy enough to qualify Mm -hmm. is my best guess but yeah so i it's crazy the jobs no job is easy yeah i truly i think my job's just as hard as the driving job and the driving job is just as hard as my job on any given day And it's so crazy to see how people overlook that. I think it is really hard to your point earlier. My, so my father, when I was learning how to drive like regular vehicle on a 16, 15, 16, um, he was taking the night courses to get his CDL Mm -hmm. and it costs a lot of money though, if you want to do it that way. Otherwise you have to have someone who has a licensed CDL driver who's willing to put in the time to ride with you and teach you. You have to have a truck that's roadworthy. I, I mean, there's that's a lot, a lot of money, A, for the mm-hmm. vehicle itself, mm-hmm. but B, to make sure that you know it's roadworthy, licensed, insured, everything. I don't know how you would do it if you didn't do the night course or you know take the courses for it. I don't know how you would do it without the support of a company, which is, I, I, honestly, I think that's why so many people don't have it. And I, it's sad to see that it's looked down on. I, if I could do, If I could do my life over again, I honestly would wish I would have not gone to college right away. Mm. I may still have gone to college at the end of it, but I wish I had done CV Tech or BOCES, something like that, in my high school years to to have a trade and skill behind me because it's something that you can never lose, and it's such a valuable skill. And frankly, there's a lot of, like, welders make a heck of a lot more. Like, there's welders that make a lot more money than me by a long shot, and Sometimes I feel like I spin my wheels a little harder. Than <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. oh that was a dumb choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you're business savvy, if you can combine right. the skills of a a particular trade with business savvy, which, frankly, you can get from reading a book, yeah. uh, you know, I've learned just as much. It's sad. Like, I, I don't regret at all getting my MBA. Yeah. One of the greatest decisions I actually ever did. But- after knowing and learning what I did, what after gaining what I gained from that degree, uh, and then also continuing to read on a somewhat regular basis, mm-hmm. maybe I wouldn't have gotten everything, but I would have gotten pretty close to everything I needed for that degree just from self-study. Self-study and experience too, though. And I mean, experience. So you take uh, that to my point. You take, but you take um, your point of you know, maybe I should have taken some time off, learned to trade oh, first. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think a lot of kids should do that. But um, if you have business savvy, which doesn't take a lot, frankly, no. because business is constantly <laughs> changing and evolving and you got to be prepared to just adapt and be creative in business. It's not just a, oh, I'm ready to start a business suddenly. Like I have this magical amount of knowledge that's going to make me a business person. That's not the case. But if you have that and a particular skill, it's like, or a trade skill. Right. It's like, I I I I often wonder uh, what I would be doing professionally if my guidance counselor had said like, yeah, did you know, like, electricians or or welders or plumbers yeah. like make this? I know, seriously. And that and and some yeah. of the they don't even own their own business. It's like, whoa. Oh, okay. So the the poster that I, I love going back to the dirty jobs guy, uh, Mike. Mike Rowe. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, Rowe, I think is his last name. 
Well, anyhow, he he always used to say like he went into his guidance counselor's office in high school, and he always remember seeing a poster that showed a, a, a two people on the same poster, one holding a degree in their cap and gown, and the other one say, uh, like basically like it looked like they came out of a coal mine, like, yeah. But they were like some kind of tradesperson, yeah. And it was like basically said something to the effect of work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And he was like, wow, I'm calling bullshit. Like, you should work smarter and harder. And that is garbage to be putting in a high school guidance counselor room. Well, and it's funny, too, because, like, so I always make jokes. I, in my job, truthfully, thanks, Casella, for the title. It's not that glorious. Like, I'm just a glorified garbage lady. At the end of the day... Happy to sling a bag here and there. I'm just moving trucks. We're keeping everybody happy. That's not. It's all it is. It's not anything special. And I always make the jokes. Like people laugh when I say they're like, "Oh, what? what you know, what do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just a trash lady." And they laugh, and I'm like, "It wasn't a joke. Like you should be proud of that." And there's, I think I'm fortunate to work with some folks who are very proud of the job that they have. But people kind of look like, "Ooh," and I'm like, "It's really not that bad." Like. We make decent money. We have a company who takes really good care of us. We have a steady job. You know, we're not getting laid off. Mm-hmm. Things like that. I, there's, I think there's a lot of good things to be proud of. It doesn't matter what you what you do. And that's honestly, that's why I wanted to get the CDL too. You, you know, you talk about like you can, if you have the trade and then you can learn business. One of the hardest things for me as I'm learning more about the company and, and trying to learn as much as I can to hopefully continue to grow with the company over time, I felt kind of weird in this like mid-level position to not know how to drive a truck like isn't that funny yeah like you're supposed to learn it from the ground yeah. up like if i if i can't drive the truck and sling a bag or two of trash like i'm doing something wrong it just yeah. doesn't it didn't feel yeah. good to me so yeah you know that that's a great segue because i i was gonna basically say my my understanding of nicole klein is she should she's the type of person that wants to uh you know do a job really well but if there's anything that's potentially classified as below that job, for lack of a better word, like you're the type of person that wants to know all of that yeah. so you can speak to it and have experience yeah. from it and talk about how you knew how to do that. And the classic, like, I'm not going to ask somebody else to do something that I don't know how to do or haven't done before. And you take that whole mantra for life and your experience um, – during your rough patch right where <laughs> yeah, you're true, basically for lack of a better word homeless living out of your car like maybe not necessarily a, you know to your fault but like you take all of this together into a package and now you're working you're volunteering like crazy for the united way um i just that's that's just gumption i want to like give, uh. give some kudos to that i mean I appreciate it. It's not it's not a it's not that pretty of a package, but I <laughs> I appreciate it packaged like that. I think I mean that I think you said it though. It, my mantra's always been like work from the ground up. You can do it. You just you have to learn. You have to put your time in. I I was so fortunate my dad. So my dad's in his mid 70s. Mm-hmm. He started in the construction trade. I think he said his very first job was at 14 years old. Oh wow. And he was trained by people two generations older than him. So he was trained a lot of, from all different angles. And one of the most formative trainings for him was from, I think it was his uncles that were masoners from, they learned in the 1800s. Um, wow. And my dad's like the youngest by a long shot um, in his family. So 
there was some true history there that was brought in as he learned his training and and the old school theory in business and how you learned um trades was that apprenticeship mindset where you had one job and you did that job and you learned every aspect of that job for one year my when I first was allowed on a job site with my dad I was too young I would stand at home and then when I was allowed on a job site I kid you not my first job was a sweeper and I'm pretty sure I was a sweeper for a full year and I felt so dumb I'm like come on dad I can swing a hammer come on just let me hit things like I got this but the the mindset behind it is learn every step of the way because you will build and you will never forget the fundamental skills. Mm. And there's so much value in just putting that time in and trusting the process and really serving each role to its best. And I think I try to rely on all those experiences that I've had. And I, I certainly don't claim to know very much about the driving world in my job or, you know, like I said, even in my own experience and, and why I serve with heart for the United way. I, my my situation wasn't that bad, but I try to remember those times that there's a lot more that goes into it. It's not that easy to just step out of a tough situation and okay, you know, I'm I'm out. I, I'll never go back. It's it's not that easy. There's so much more to it too. Um, so I think it is important to have, like I said, whether it's personal or work, you got to rely on some of those experiences that you have mm. growing. Amen. I feel like that's a great like like. Boom. Like, that <laughs> was just the- like, <laughs> I don't know. That was just good. Like, uh, well, like, just the the example of, like, being a sweeper. It's like, wow. I'm learning something new about you all the time. It's like, <laughs> that sounds like it sucked as a kid. You're like, man, I want to I want to learn more. I want to hit yeah. it, swing a hand. But then you look back on it, and you're like, oh, I get it. And, yeah. like, that, we don't have enough of that. No. I- we don't have enough of that apprenticeship model. It's more like uh a world of get rich quick or how fast can you excel to the next level without maybe truly or skipping levels right that's true but you know what so many of the mentors that i have in our town locally like a lot of the business people that i'm fortunate enough to to be able to spend some time with and just kind of pick their brains at the ones that i find are more the most consistently successful long term the ones that manage business with ease and confidence every single one of them that I, I can confidently say there's not a mentor of mine that has not worked that entry-level job mm-hmm. even if it's not in the same industry if you've put your hand you know done hands-on work if you've if you've worked you know 60 hours a week two jobs whatever it is that just that mindset of working really really hard even if it is a mundane task has made those people into such strong mentors, confident people, not overconfident either. That's one of the things that like, there is some humility, I think, in doing a, yeah. a you know, a basic job um, that can be repetitive. Um, but yeah, there's so many of them that, that they all started from whether it was truck driving or the furniture industry or you name it. Some of the real basic jobs that um, some of the people don't forget are really important mm. have made these people into really strong business leaders. It's really neat to see. Mm. I imagine one of those people is probably John Bernardi. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that dude is very, very impressive to me. And uh, I could go on and on about all the different things he's done to help mentor me. And I'm sure he's got a list that's longer than I can even imagine of people who he has mentored over the years. But I'm very curious, like, what? Could, what tell me a little bit about um, some of the projects that you're on. the. So you're on the allocations committee. Yeah. 
the committee that allocates uh, smaller <laughs> gifts to, or or not necessarily smaller gifts, but gifts to the partner agencies, right? Yep. All the various partner agencies. How many are there? Like 50 something? 40. Oh, you had to ask me. Boy Scouts know. used to be one. Yep. Um, that's a tough job. But now you're also on the campaign team, which is like, you're the revenue generator, generator right? So Sales like, in a different light, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe not so much about like what you're doing on those committees, but like talk to me a little bit about some of the projects that the United Way is doing that you're most passionate about. I'd assume oh, as it relates awesome. probably to Alice, but yeah. there's others too. There are. There are. I, I think so. Number one, Alice, hands down, right? I, and it's still, it, it's not even just my own experience. It's, it's my, f- I've had friends who've been in that situation, friends that are currently in that situation, um, people that I've worked with along the way. I think people, you know, I hear so many employers say, oh, I pay a good wage. You don't know what that, that wage looks like. You don't know if that person has seven kids. What if they had two kids and, and they're taking on, you know, more kids from another family? You don't know what that looks like past the wage you pay. So there, it's a lot closer to home than I think people see regularly. Um, so they've, they've done tremendous work in advocacy for um, the Alice Project and, and focusing on that income constraint there. Um, one of the other ones that I, I wish I could give more to um, is their advocacy for foster homes in the community. Mm. I have uh, one of one of the people that I just truly, truly look up to in the community, Hannah Provost. She, she was on the podcast. Beautiful person, yes. She talked all about that. And it's a it's crazy the need. The crazy. need is unbelievable. It it truly is. And the comparison and I don't I'm not the person to give you the exact stats, but uh, John can recite it much better than I can. But the the fact that we have, I think it was, I don't know if it's Essex County or Frank, one of our local counties here has the, an, an incredibly high poverty level, but the number, or um, not poverty level, um, kids in foster, native foster homes. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's equivalent crazy. to like one of the, the counties outside of New yeah. York City that has a tremendously higher population than we do. And yet we don't see it. I mean, you I would say many of us don't see it. I think a lot of teachers see it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the the folks working in school systems, it doesn't necessarily need to be a teacher. I think a lot of the folks in the school systems do see it. Think um, about those kids now, too, during COVID. I Schools are shut down. Imagine. School was probably a safe place. I know. I know. It really was. And you think about one of the projects that I'm not, I'm definitely not a crier, but I, I will admit in my time with the United Way, especially working with allocations and reading applications and whatnot, the backpack programs yep it just yep instantly to tears i will i will clear my fridge i don't get I just <laughs> that is and even those kids may have homes and you've got to think about the kids that that are in group homes or don't have someone to just care for them i mean the kids that think about the teenagers you know that it's so tough everybody everybody's okay with a with a with a baby or a toddler or whatnot but there's just so much love to give those kids and, and people I think forget that that might be an option maybe maybe not consider it maybe not feel comfortable I know I've toyed around with it myself and I'm like oh am I really that qualified <laughs> can yeah. I even be a respite home but am I, am I that qualified you know but um yeah there's so many kids that truly are in need in the United Ways really I, I know for me personally not that I didn't know of it before but 
they've brought it into reality for me and I appreciate that so I know the impact that they've made on me I can't imagine you know the others they've affected with that message and been able to help through it but it's tireless you know I think I think that's a trend that unfortunately is continuing it right now it's crazy it's crazy I couldn't imagine being a kid five six years old or something and going to school and then like <laughs> not to put a damper on a podcast <laughs> but like then you somebody else comes to pick you up and you you don't go home again it's I like because something happened right and it's like wow like that was not my reality like no you want to talk either. about like having it good like i had it good i went <laughs> home i had two parents like yeah. I, they fed me like they taught me lessons they you know ryan you want to play hockey yeah you can play hockey and hockey's right. by the way really expensive oh my god you know it's like so. it's like I just, I, I feel terrible that I can't even relate or I'm not going to try to relate, but it also just puts that much more weight on why it's an important program. It is too. And I think, I think one of the things that, so one of the things that I learned through just spending time with the United Way, um, is that there's more, being a foster parent is more than just being a foster parent. There's so many options to it. And I, I do understand as someone who has thought very seriously about how I can be more involved. I'm not in a point right now in my life where I feel confident that I could successfully foster a child long term. But there's rest being you could be a respite home. Mm-hmm. If you if you feel called to do something like that and you have, you know, the space and, you know, whatever the, the heart to do it. I think people many people don't even know that that's an option. Even just helping out for one day or a weekend or a week, that's unbelievable what that can do for someone. Think of the people who are um, people who are in recovery, who are really, really trying to do something for themselves, and they need that time to recover. And that may be a short, shorter term, you know, that's not, you know, three, five permanent solution. But if you could help them love their child while they're loving themselves and bring that family back together, that's beautiful. You know, just even those respite homes, I think, are, are so powerful to many of the families that are going through those those difficult times right now, too. So that's really opened my eyes to sitting down and, and thinking very seriously about where I can grow to be to be able to open my home that way, too. Mm. Add it to the list. <laughs> it's not it's Gumptious not decisions. Yeah, well, yeah. It's anyhow. <laughs> Uh, that would be quite gumptious as well. Oh but, my gosh! Uh, um, yeah, no power to you and power to you know you. I mean, the intro was kind of long. I almost got out of breath here. But all the different things you do and have done, and um, the United Way—that's a—that's a really cool thing. I I'm happy for you that you found peace and something that you can uh, put a lot of energy back into. Absolutely, I'm very fortunate. Are you ready? For the rapid fire section. I will do my best, Ryan. <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> I haven't prepped you. I know you haven't. That's Full transparency. <laughs> I usually prep people. I'm like, hey, there's a rapid fire section. Uh, like it's gonna come fast. It what well, sometimes it doesn't, but it's gonna it's gonna come at you fast and uh you know, we'll do it you do it do what you can do, I guess. All okay, right. You ready? I'll try. I'm good. Question number one. What book would you gift to a friend and why? Hands down would be a book called Lead for God's Sake. I, Todd, hmm, Gongwer we're going to go with. 
I apologize okay. for the pronunciation. Okay. Um, it's a it's a, it's a parable. Okay. Um, coming kind of from a sports background, it's a sports-minded parable, but about business. Um, and just, I think the biggest thing that I took away from that book is leading with heart. I nice. don't care if it's sports. I don't care if it's business. I don't care if it's your family, your home, your friendships. Leading with heart, that mindset I just took away from. And uh, yeah, it was about a, it was a about a janitor who really had some of the strongest leadership skills. Not shockingly, a guy who <laughs> did a hands-on job who yeah. uh, led many, many people um, who were struggling, both kids and. Um, and adults in a school system that was it was a it was a really great book and i could reread that many many times over so I'd, i would give that book to any what's of the name friends. of it again lead for god's sake okay i like it yeah question number two okay if you could spend a day with a any historical figure uh who would it be and why so in all in all fairness i'm not a huge history buff <laughs> I gotcha. Got, I might no. have almost failed that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I'll I, I'll tweak the question and no, I'll say no. any any famous person, so they could still be alive potentially too. Yeah. But a historical figure or famous person and why? I think truthfully, you know, totally aside from a political standpoint, I really would have to say Michelle Obama. Mm, okay. To me, she was a woman who just led with grace and was so steady. And, of course, I I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is entirely aside from a a, a political conversation. But as a a woman in the public eye in leadership, I am sure she had many, many struggles through her time. And she just truthfully was so graceful about it. She – was so professional and human. And I think those are the things that if I could pick qualities that I could aspire to in my own self, I wish I could be human and professional and graceful <laughs> at all times. Generally, I trip and, and say swear words. So I have a long <laughs> ways to go. But I would I would say Michelle Obama. Nice. Uh, Aside, have you yeah. read her book, Becoming? I just did, actually. Yep, I did read that book. Damn good book. It really was. And you know what? It was. It, it reinforced some of the feelings that I yeah. had about her as a female leader um, and also made me feel wildly inadequate. <laughs> well, yeah. Typically, you look at like Barack Obama's accolades, po- take the political stuff out of it, but right. just like generally his like what he accomplished before he ran for president. He was a pretty accomplished dude. Exactly. And, and like... It's very quick to focus on that and forget about, like, how freaking accomplished she was. Like, she was actually his first boss. I know. Isn't that crazy? In a law firm. Like, she was in charge. You know? It's like... But the beautiful thing that I found about... And not just through the book. and But, well, through the book, I learned in much more detail, too. But um, just in, in watching her in the political eye... She had that big job, and she didn't need to tell the world about it. That humility... I, I mean, trust me, I, uh, I am by far and large not a perfect person, and that's one thing that I wish I could continue to grow daily to be that humble of a person and, and just not need to celebrate myself or anything I've done and just step forward for the greater good. That was so beautiful how she did that, and her book was like, whew, big goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good choice. Thanks. Question number three. 
If you could go back and give a piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would it be? Now knowing what you know about the world or anything. I would say you will get through this. I uh, I was not as positive of a person as I am, I think, today. I'm not... I'm not always super positive, but I um, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I, mm. I was one of those kids that didn't love high school. It was mm-hmm. not my my celebration of life. Um, and I wish I would have just had the confidence to to continue to dream big, to that it's okay to be confident even though I'm wildly imperfect. Mm-hmm. And um, not that I didn't keep pressing forward, but. I wish I had the confidence in myself that I would just, I would get through this and I'd, I'd, I'd be very happy with myself. That'd be my advice. I like it. Number four, if you could put up a billboard anywhere in the world, where would you put it? Oh. And what would you put on it? More so interested in what you would put on it, but just kind of interested to see where you would put it to. Where I would put it? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I got to think about that. Uh, what I would put on it, my, one of my favorite quotes is, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Ah, nice. Yes. I, Who, whose quote is I honestly that? don't I, know. I tried, actually, I've tried looking that up too because I've, I've um Sounds like a Mother Teresa quote It or does something. sound like it. <laughs> so for anybody who's not in Rotary, Ryan gave <laughs> an amazing uh, prayer for us at Rotary the other day and it was... Uh, it, it was a very similar-minded yeah. um, passage that was, I think that's really it. You just do it anyway. Yep. You know, be, be kind anyway. And I've, I have struggled with that myself. And there's times where I want to lash out. I want to have my comments. And I do in my own way privately. But just be kind. You don't need to win. And karma may not always work out in your favor. And just do it anyway because you sleep better at the end of the day. Um, and as far as where I would put it, I would probably broadcast that to the entire world on every street corner. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Number five, what's your favorite food? All of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I write this question up and I'm like, this is a softball. And then I think about it and I ask people and they're like, wait, like it's not a softball. No, it's really not. I, um, I would say my, my current favorite food uh, is, is definitely curry. So I love to cook. Mm, that's my okay. thing. That's my wind down. I love to cook and I love to cook from scratch and I love really complicated recipes. I mean, every chemical process and mm-hmm. you can imagine and every weird spice and whatnot. Yeah, I love that. So I, um, I've been loving curries. Right now I have a nice. favorite sweet heat curry. Nice. I've, I've so-called, I've deemed it. Um, yeah, definitely a, a big curry fan right now. I like that. Okay. Last question. Number six. If we could assemble a three-person board of directors to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life, uh, who would your three board of directors be? They can be alive, deceased, famous, or not. But who would the three people be on your personal board and why? Oof. That's tough. Um, I, I'm going to stick with Michelle Obama because I can okay. continue to learn from her. <laughs> For the reasons said. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, so she'll, she'll hold a seat. Um, have you ever read anything by Brene Brown? Do you know Brene Brown? Mm-mm. 
All right. So um, Brene Brown is a researcher and author. Um, and she, gosh, what, what was it that she actually ended up studying? Um, mm, I'm going to mess this up. She's written a lot of leadership books, um, and I believe she comes from like a, a psychology background, but she has truly focused on being able to be human and setting and boundary setting and honest with yourself and honest with your coworkers. She's written some many, many books, and I, um, I think she has excellent leadership skills. I think she has really strong boundary setting skills, and she's just honest and still positive with it and still gets people behind her. So I would say Brene Brown. Um, third. It's a, it's a time commitment. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I hope to live past, uh, past 28. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds really corny and, and no, uh, I am not a teacher's pet, but, um, I honestly think one of the strong mentors in my life who I, I would, who's currently on my board of directors, I would say, who's who's an active member of my current board of directors and would keep there. As crazy as it sounds, would probably be my boss. Um, I've learned a tremendous amount. So my, my boss, Bill from Casella, is um, wealth of knowledge from the Casella world mm-hmm. and, and certainly the job itself. But I can't, I can't tell you a person who's taught me more about life probably than the job itself and how to just create a balance that that's been one of the goals he's preached to me is is find that balance and it's okay to be a person i've had days where he's told me go home <laughs> like your family is more important than this job right now my boss told me that you know yeah. that's, but i've learned so yeah. much about trying to do well in my job and be passionate about my job but still be able to be a person and a, and a family member and a good friend in the meantime and yeah i think he'd stay on the board of directors too <laughs> nice answers nice well, Nicole, this has been awesome. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. And, really and I'm actually it. very impressed that we kept it within a, the average time frame for the podcast too. because I feel like when we were getting ready to start here, I was like, <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to go like four hours today. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but, no, this has been really good. And and if I haven't uh, put this out there enough, um, just to put it out there and reiterate again uh, – it takes a lot to share your experience, but I feel like you came from a place where you're sharing it for the benefit of others. And, uh, that's a pretty powerful thing for people to talk about in sort of a long form conversation and also what you've done to give back. Also, I feel like that's just a really cool story of gumption. So thank you for sharing. Well, and thank you for giving me the right platform too. I think there's, like I said, there's, there's a huge amount of embarrassment in any story that people have that may not be the shiniest one. I think there's a huge amount of embarrassment that can come with it. Um, and I think it takes the right platform to feel comfortable. And I have to say the right community to be in. And I I do feel like I'm supported by those, those folks here in Plattsburgh too, to be able to be honest, which it's a good place to be in. So thank you for, for giving me the space and for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, Everybody listening, thanks for hanging in there for another episode of Stories of Gumption. Tune in for the next one, and don't forget, if you're listening on whatever platform you got, there is a subscribe button there, so find it, and please click on it. You'll get a notification for the next one that comes out, and we got plenty uh, of great guests lined up for you. Nicole, thanks again. Thanks, Ryan.